Salutations, my humans. It's Vicky, and welcome back to the one and only Anderson Street. So you found yourself in a right doozy with this one, let me tell you. We were able to commemorate the wrap of season one, which you can find on YouTube, and our podcast of every episode, with an event at the deliciously botanical co-working, co-living spot in Manhattan called The Assemblage. Highly recommend should you be interested. We chose to try our hands at a live episode on essentially the underbelly of digital nomading, which are primarily the trials and tribulations of mental health. So we even went a step further by inquiring of our audience if anyone wanted to volunteer to sit at our faux table. And we were truly graced with Nadia Mbonde, a young nomad, scholar, budding doula, warrior woman um, of this world. Along with her, you will hear from our Long Island bred co-creator, Colton Sorf, who has a background in business development and production, along with the stunning Aussie and founder of Pep Talk Her, an app looking to equate the gender pay gap, uh, Maggie Palmer, whose background is in journalism, media, and tech. All our guests have lived overseas long-term uh, throughout their professional lives as an aside. Without further ado, welcome to Anderson Street at the Assemblage. Hi, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Assemblage, John Street. My name is Michelle. I'm part of the community team here. And for those of you that don't know, here at the Assemblage, we are a co-living, co-working, social and event space. We're about going higher, both individually and collectively, doing well by doing good and being of service. So if you're interested in joining our community or have questions about membership, please feel free to reach out or inquire at our front desk. Uh, we're so happy to have you all here tonight. Um, we have bathrooms to your right. Our Elixir Bar is open till 11 p.m. We have a plant cafe on the third floor, just one up. And thank you so much for being here for the perks, perceptions, and perils of being a digital nomad. Um, here's Colton Saroff, uh, the co-founder of Anderson Street. Thank you, Michelle. I very much appreciate it. Uh, and thank you, the assemblage, for, for hosting us. This space is, is pretty rad. Anderson Street was born um, out of the need to provoke uncompromising conversation amongst people who were, who were different, and ensuring that everyone's voice was heard, and, and not just heard, but acknowledged as well. If you don't know this, we've actually filmed 20 episodes. Uh, Vic and I have been filming this since uh, last October. September? September, October time. Yeah. And over time, we've, we've figured out a couple of things, and, and what we've realized is that bringing people together who are different talking about conflictive topics is great, but it can get very heated. So if you're sitting in a coffee shop and somebody says one of their beliefs, there's very much a visceral reaction and an emotional reaction that somebody else will have, and usually that stirs an argument. What we're trying to provide with Anderson Street is really to get past the emotional and visceral reaction and really get down to not what somebody's beliefs are, but why they have those beliefs. And I think we've, we've created a space that allows people to dive into their personal experiences and the stories that they have that really form their beliefs. And that's, that's what Anderson Street is, is really 
aiming to to provide. Yeah. So so this is obviously this is very informal. Um, we're shoeless. We're all shoeless on stage. If you'd like to be shoeless, you're more than welcome to take off your shoes. What we want to do is almost mimic a, a live episode of how we would tape it. And the way that we usually start episodes is we take the guests at individually into a hall and, and do personal interviews where they usually talk about where, they, they, where they're from, what they do for a living, and specific questions about the topic at hand. And so what we're going to do right now is do something similar to that, so you get a little bit more background on me. I have not heard these questions that Vic is about to ask me, so... That's always the case. Be gentle. I like it. <laughs> and I don't think Maggie has heard the questions either. No, so but two more, we'll two more additional that. points. One is that we're discussing digital nomading and the underbelly of it, right? So you see paradise, you see bikini-clad girls on laptops overlooking, like, I don't know, a waterfall um, in Bali, and you think everybody's life is great, they're living their lives, it's cool, they're getting paid, blah, 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 but actually there's a huge um, trigger aspect of mental health issues that definitely arise, and um, one doesn't need a visa for their mental health, right? Like, it comes wherever you go. So uh, that is what we're discussing in terms of the perils of what digital nomading is. So one. Two is we were asking for volunteers to sit at our faux table. And in fact, we received a bite. <laughs> so Nadia's here, wi willing and ready to sit um, with us on this pillow at your leisure. Yeah, so I'll give a round of applause. Here she is. Welcome, also shoeless. Okay, so I have my little questions here. Typically what we do is I ask these interview questions and um, everybody is on their own. So they're not sitting together like this, LOL. So I'm gonna go with Maggie first because you chose not to read the questions in advance, so I like that. Um, where have you lived overseas while working? Not just lived overseas, but you were working as well. So I'm originally from Australia, so I've lived there, I've lived in the UK, I've lived in Zimbabwe, Italy, um, and now here in the US. And what have you been doing for income while you were in those places? Right, so I started my career as a journalist um, and a foreign correspondent, so I did that for a long time, and then um, pivoted more into the producing, directing space. Um, then I started a company, uh, a media training company called Sliding Door Media, um, which I still own, but I no longer run. Uh, and now I have a startup really focused on the gender pay gap. Mm. So Pep Talker mm -hmm. is what I'm working on now. Mm -hmm. um, the pay gap really pisses us off, basically. True. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're working to, to, to change that and all of our team work remotely or have the capacity to work remotely. Nadia. Hello. Hello. Welcome. There it is. There we go. Oh. Um, where have you lived overseas and what were you doing when you were doing it? Okay, so Tanzania, Malawi, Trinidad, Switzerland, and France. I was being um, an ambassador of the United Nations as the daughter of someone who works for the United Nations. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know what it means to work for money because I'm a millennial and we... Um, <laughs> Actual LOL. Also true, though. We barter. Right. So photography for makeup. Mm. Um, Filming for, you know, helping me edit my thesis. Mm. Um, I've been doing that since I was five. Okay. Well, cheers to yeah, that cheers shit. Cheers to you. Um, I feel the bartering. Right. I did that for about a year. You're about to do it at Burning Man. <laughs> Jealous. And anyway. I'm about to do it at Burning Man. Okay. Colin. Hit me up. Where have you lived overseas and what were you doing? So if you don't know this, Victoria and I actually met one weekend in Malaysia. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird. Yeah, right. we, who is that? Oh, Victoria, Vic. That was, that was weird. That was weird. I don't recall. Uh, anyway, so Vic and I, Vic and I met. Oh, Victoria, Mary. Oh my goodness, we're yeah. really here. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. So okay. Vic and I met 
one weekend in Malaysia at a creative house that was organized by a company called Remote Year. Does Behind anyone know Remote Year? Who's been right. on Remote Year in this yes. room? Yes. Thank you. And Go on. if you weren't on Remote Year, who has listened to Vic or I talk about Remote Year? <laughs> okay, we know yeah. what Remote Year is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Don't come um, to spiel. Yeah. So I. I gave up my job in San Francisco to travel the country, which was not actually what Remote Year is all about, but I started to barter <laughs> with photography and things of that nature. But where I lived abroad, I traveled abroad for 15 months, and in those 15 months, I visited 22 countries. The long of it, I was in South America for six months, Europe for five, and then Southeast Asia for another four and a half, five months. And I jumped to a lot of countries. I lived in a lot of hostels. I lived in a lot of hotels in Bali for 25 bucks what a day. What were you doing? And I was... I was, r at the time, I was running a company called We Side Trip, which was a curated itinerary of local amazing events and things to do, uh, and that failed. <laughs> but I... Fail fast. Fail fast, and it's gave that up, and while on the road, I, I started to take photography and started to barter. Remote, you started to like my photos. They shared them, and that kind of snowballed into a job, and now that I'm back in New York, I now am a co-creator of Anderson Street, and I film that, and I have a freelance photography business on the side. Lit. Maggie, top misperception of digital nomads. I think that you just do no work, right? Like, I feel <laughs> like my sister's still like, she's right, like, right. what do you do? Like, I feel like when you don't yeah. have like a traditional nine to five job, people just feel like you don't work. Um, and also I think people think that you're crazy to give up a nine to five job, a well-paying job. They're just like, why would it's you not do secure. that? Right, right, that's security. What is security? Mm -hmm, exactly. The big short, okay, yeah. I digress. Um, <laughs> Nadia. Uh, to my point earlier, a uh, big misconception is that you don't earn money. So I right. sell myself short on that. I'm learning how to like count my coins and, and be worthy of the things that I earn. But one thing I'm celebrating is um, being a new PhD candidate at NYU Anthropology. Um, okay, awesome. out here. And my whole life, I have gotten scholarship after scholarship because I'm an anchor baby. I was born in New Jersey. Shout out any New Jersey over there. Right. I don't know why they day, hate baby. us. I've never lived in Jersey, nope. but <laughs> peace to you. Um, and yeah, I... Deceased. <laughs> people don't believe that you can get paid to go to school in Europe where I went to high school and, and middle school. A lot of my Scandinavian friends were paid to go to school, paid to contribute to the economy. And I decided when I came to the United States, I would do the same. So I am a recent recipient of the National Science Foundation as well, and they're gonna be sponsoring my research. Um, my research is on the black maternal mortality crisis in New York. Oh. Yeah. Uh, in New York, um, black women are dying at 12 times the rate than white women as a result of childbirth-related clauses, including miscarriage, abortion, fertility, um, you know, the whole gamut. And um, I decided I want to be paid for my labor, so I just, you know, find all the grants and fellowships in the world. So, misconception, we don't get paid doing digital nomad work. Okay. There was a lot there. I like what you're saying. I want to talk about that shit after. Agreed. But <laughs> Colin. I, I think... Another, another misconception, is, and we'll talk about this later, or I guess we, this is a good segue into it, but I think a misconception is that everyone who is working remotely has it made. Um, mm, and is rich. Yeah, and, and is rich, or you get, don't get paid or whatever it may be. But a real misconception to me that I really struggled with when I was traveling is that all my friends thought I had it made, right? I was taking handstand photos on Machu Picchu, all that stuff. So my social life looked really cool digitally, but <coughs> no one had any idea what the hell was going on in my head. Right. There was points when I was traveling where I was so far away from home that I, I couldn't call my parents at certain times where I wanted to or I felt like I needed to, and I had a panic attack. 
uh, and the things that you do to cope with that are very, it, it feels very siloed. And that I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions uh, of the digital nomad, I guess, revolution, you can say, uh, yeah. that we haven't made. Because it's great, and there are a lot of perks, and there's a lot of amazing things that you can learn about yourself and about the world, but you really got to work on yourself first. Well, I mean, frig the rapid fire. Let's just, let's just stay on topic here. So what triggered your panic attack? Manic attack? What did you say? I mean, I think this is definitely individualized, but for me, what, what triggered mine, I think, was, the, was just unknown. Uh, so for me, I, I left my job in San Francisco. I worked for a, a small tech startup in San Francisco. We grew it to about 45 people and exited, uh, and that was over. And so I was on this journey while traveling around the world where I really had zero roots, and then the thing that is supposed to root a digital nomad, which is your job, that was gone too. Mm -hmm. So I think what triggered my panic attacks or my depression or whatever you want to call it was really just well, what the do you unknown. call it? I think I would call it a panic attack is a specific point that I can point to where I freaked out and had to write things and my heart palpitated and I had to call someone and that was a problem. That's real. <laughs> yeah, so that's real. I think it's a form of depression, but I think it was really just I didn't know exactly what was going on. I lost my narrative. Um, and I think a lot of us define at least back in the States, in major metropolitans, our narrative is very much defined by what, what we, we do. do. Yeah. yeah. And so not only what we do, but where we are. And like, I live in New York. I live in Williamsburg. I do this. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, and both of those were gone for me. And that, that triggered a lot. Yeah. Have either of you found a trigger or something was exacerbated while you were on the road? I like manic attack very much. Um, I, I, I identify. Yep. Um, one of the yep. main things that I've been researching is third culture kids. I don't know if any of you know that term. But it's term for people like me who during their developmental years are nomads. And one of the major crises I had was going to university in the United States and having major culture shock and ending up in the psych ward. Um, because Yikes. also... Uh, in the United States, we deal with mental health very differently. It's very visible. We can call things bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder. Sometimes, you know, you're ended up in a place that looks like a prison that can drive you even yes. further crazy. And yep. I ended up at UCLA Medical Hospital, which really the stars go to. Like, I met so many people from Hollywood there who oh. take breaks to just right. chillax there. Right. Day room, night room. You get to paint. You get to, like, go outside. You get escorted. It's really nice. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then there's places <laughs> like, you know, in New York where they put all the black and brown people yep. um, off the streets. And I've had, you know, both experiences. Here? And in, yes, when I moved here in 2012 to go to Barnard College, Columbia University, um, and then being on campus and dealing with mental health issues and being a person of color, um, I just had to be very visible in spaces and, and admit that I can't represent all people who have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is why I identify with mania and manic what did you say? Manic panic? I like manic that. Manic, manic, um, manic depressive. Manic depressive. You, you could call me that when I'm not aligned, when my chakras are out of balance. You could call me depressed or you could call me manic. Right. But I'd like to call myself Nadia Nomi, a.k.a. like the new Basquiat. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> Nina Simone had bipolar disorder. let us disorder. know who you are, girl. Who else had bipolar disorder? I, like I don't know. Like every person who was brilliant. Almost. I think people so that have mental health are indigo children, they're geniuses, right. they're savants, they're out here, they know Poets. something we don't, we don't know. Yes, so shout out selves. to anyone in here who is dealing with any mental health stigma. I see you, I support you, do you. Correct. 
who are you? Like, for real, <laughs> what's happening? Well, I'll, I'll jump yeah. there. I mean, I, I feel like, granted, I lived in San Francisco, and I think that mental health in general had a bad stigma, but now it's become trendy. I don't know if anybody's kind of realized that with all of these, the comms and the, the head spaces, these apps that oh. are that are really tools for coping with your mental health, right? And it's all it's about meditation now. and oh. dealing with yourself. Um, none of those helped me. And they did to a certain to a certain level, but I had to find my own ways to, to cope and, and to deal with what was going on with me. And so for me, it, it, it came in the form of writing and not writing to publish on, on Medium or to publish on any blog. It was just, I write for myself on my computer. You can call it a journal, whatever you want to call it. But that helped me find my own narrative. Right. And then there was a certain point where I'd, I had to I called a therapist. I hadn't talked to a therapist. I've talked to a therapist three times in my life, and one was in <laughs> one was in Buenos Aires, and she got me on the floor, and she started walking me through my chakras, and we can go more into that. But it has this stigma. That it's like you got to battle your own ego almost to, to get over that. Yeah. Um, and that helped me. And I think a lot of these talks with mental health is very much talking about mental health, but not really how, how do you cope, cope with it. What do you do with what it? What do you do? So yeah. can you relate? Yeah, I feel like for me, um, I, I don't know if, if there are many entrepreneurs in the room, micropreneurs, solopreneurs, digital nomads. Yeah, so I feel like when you start a business or when you're starting a side hustle, it's it's so overwhelming. It's like, I got to get a website, I got to get a brand, I got to get a dot com, I got to do this, I got to get clients, I got to get revenue, I got to pay the bills. It's like, it's a lot. So for me, I think it was like a point of overwhelm of I just like didn't know how to like where to start to bite off to start to break down this problem that I was trying to solve. Um, and so I can relate to your experience of like feeling, I thought I, like I was really naive. This was only a couple of years ago. I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I actually thought that's what it was. I, I just didn't you. realize. And my friends were like, no, you're having a panic attack. And luckily I was at a friend's house. So they just sat me down. They were like, just relax. And so for me, when you talk about like you, you wrote, um, for me, it was really about um, community and people. And that's really hard when you're on the road or when you're living away from home. How do you find those connections that are genuine and that aren't just like like your photo on Machu Picchu? Like how do you find someone who's like you're clearly not yourself, like what's actually going on? And so I have found that in a few different ways. Like I have a, a closed Facebook group with a, a group of there's about eight of us. Um, we're all um, in we all run our own businesses so we can talk about things honestly and openly. And also like when we're having a really hard time, like where the people that we reach out to. One of my friends, she's um, got quite a high profile. She runs two businesses, but she was sharing last week. She's like, I actually can't make my mortgage repayment. Um, and mm. P.S. I just went out and bought a Chloe outfit for some panel that I have to speak on. So I feel confident. Confident. But yeah, not going to make the mortgage this month. So that's like what's going on that's behind real. the scenes. Yeah. But on the face of it, it looks like everything's lovely and she's so yeah, beautiful yeah. and she's so successful. But, you know, that then being able to have those real conversations, whether that is online through a Facebook group yeah. or whether it's through communities like Assemblage, like wing, the Wing or like whatever community group that you're in, where you feel like you can meet people and they can actually see you for who you are. Yeah, I resonate with that one greatly. Probably the biggest thing was the community aspect. And I did remote year as well, but in a different fashion. Like those of you who know me, you know I did, I was a program leader. So it's like an entirely different role. I'm not just part of this community, but I'm overseeing this community. So it's different in that, and I was just talking earlier about this with Rachel. Um, should I drink, should I not? Should they see me like this, should they not? I need to be respected, but why? Because they don't work for me, but also I'm like handling their logistics and ensuring that they get from Buenos Aires to um, Kuala Lumpur or 
whatever the case may be, and they need to be able to rely on me, so I need to be on, and I need to be on 24-7. And not only that, I need to overcompensate because I'm working remotely and because I'm in paradise, and that's all I'm showing you, right? And I'm like on the Mekong Delta, and I took a photo of how the beautiful placid water is here, but not all the trash that is littering the banks of the Mekong Delta over here. Like, I intentionally did that. And seeing things like that for me was, was a huge trigger because, like, um, I'm a perfectionist, so any of these things where I feel like I can't dot, 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 I can't do something, I can't fix this, I can't blah, blah, um, it is my fault and I am to blame and I, whatever, all ego all day, right? Essentially, I just heard myself saying I like 30 times, so clearly that's what that is. Um, <laughs> nothing like learning while on, on the table. <laughs> um, but that was my biggest one, and even though I had an absolutely wonderful and thriving community who are, those of you that are here, are, are, we're a part of it. Um, but you guys know how much I battled with that. Like, should I, should I be friends with you or should I leave it at like 70% and you can only know this much about my life and I can't really do too much because you will, what, not trust that I will get something done later or? I've got, it, this is almost like a misconception or something that I experienced. Maybe I just kind of want to ask Maggie and, and Nadia. When you're a digital nomad, you still have Instagram, you still have Twitter, you still have Facebook, you have Snapchat, whatever medium you use. You see what your friends are doing at home. And so it's almost like a reverse FOMO. Do you ever get that? It's called JOMO. Jo I was about to say JOMO. Okay. I didn't, joy I of don't missing know out. The joy of missing out. I just came well, across is it, the, it. is it the joy? Because I, like, I would see my brother who recently had a, a, a daughter, and I missed the first year yeah. of her life. So I watched her first step through a video. And that sucks. I miss one of my great friend's weddings. Exactly. So well, I've still not so is, is that, that one down. Is, I see. Is so explain explain well, Joma. The thing is, what like is the grass is always greener on the other side, and the digital grass is also greener on the other side. Because I'll tell you, I am seems greener. Right. Or there's a filter or something. Semantics. But um, I'm a doula, and my intervention with my work is actually being a non-medical support person for people who are in labor, about to be in labor, mm -hmm. and my intervention is actually showing you what I'm doing at home, like showing you the process of putting on my makeup, showing you my archives, showing you where we actually fucked up on YouTube, and like, this is hilarious. Being and like, transparent being in this trans being. being super, super transparent, and one of the things that like I have done recently, and I'm out of it now, but back to my research, the personal is political, Audrey Lord said that, and I had my first miscarriage this year in January. And the work that I had to do to get back on social media as a doula, as an anthropologist, as a minority, as someone with all of these expectations as to what I should be doing with my privilege, what did I do? I put a picture of you know, my toilet altar with my candle on top of the toilet lid, you know? That and is real. and like it's 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 like one thing to to be like down on ourselves about our ego, but I'm an Aries, and if you know an Aries, an Aries is the most egotistical person you'll ever meet because ah. we are the first sign, right? True. Right? But that Line means that we have this amazing opportunity to be leaders for our followers on Instagram. So right. if I want people to be vulnerable with me and show their strength in that way, what do I have to do? Right. right. I think you're so right. And I think the word vulnerable for me really speaks to me. I, uh, do you guys know Brené Brown? 
her TED talk on vulnerability is amazing. Um, I don't work for her, but she does have a Netflix special that's just come out. But anyway, you can check that out. I haven't watched it. It's on the plan this weekend. Is it really good? Yeah, Snaps I'm excited. But I think like I, I think to the point earlier about like, oh, it looks so great on social media and like not taking photos of the trash and like always posting the you know, oh, I'm here in New York City having a cocktail or I'm in Bali at the beach. What responsibility do all of us have actually to tell a real story? And I put myself in this bucket as well. Like I want to challenge myself and everyone else here to be like, well, actually, is it more genuine and authentic for our followers and for us to actually like not portray this crazy, perfect world, which is clearly fake and curated and it's not real? And actually, do we give power to other people when we talk about, oh, P.S., I thought I was having a heart attack. Lol, it was actually a panic attack. Like, right. is, yeah. does that give someone else permission to speak about it? And speaking yeah. about miscarriage, do yep. you, in doing Thank that you bravely, does that, that give other people permission to share their story? And what power do we all have in doing that? Right, and going back to being an Aries, like I celebrated my 25th birthday last week, woot woot, and the thing, ahead, come on bro. guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> halfway to 50. I'm dead. I'm okay. Dead. <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> and what did I do instead of go to the lecture at NYU where, you know, I experienced obstetric violence? I decided to throw myself a party. Correct. And what did I do to the people who are lurking on the gram? Unfollow, block, delete. That's one of my favorite activities when I can't sleep at night. You should all try it. They ch <laughs> I, I had this series called The Womb where I talked about things like the energetic algorithm. You can trademark that if you want. I don't care. I'm dead <laughs> at you. Um, but my thing is that like all of life is an algorithm. So when you say, I like this, I don't like this, the universe brings more of that and less of that. So you know mm. how we can practice that? I don't like this ad, report ad. I don't like seeing you on this. Let me unfollow. And you know what they mean? It's so easy. Because yeah. now it's like Facebook and you can literally mute stories or posts. And like you can oh, really make it seem true. like you're a fan of your follower without unfollowing them. But I kind of I'm like, interested in that. you know, I'm the sorry. transparency. And that's one of the things I had to do. I literally d love deleting Facebook friends. Like, it's one of my favorite <laughs> right. things to do. Like, if idea. we're not friends in real life, like, why do you have access to archival footage of me from circa 2007? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, like, if I'm, if, if, Correct, if, though. if you're true. supposed, if I'm supposed to be your follower and, like, you're not leading me well by showing me, like, where you fucked up or where you were brilliant or the transparency. Like as soon as I start to see something that I don't like, I just unfollow. Mm. And I think if we all did that, like we would all get all the information, but our energetic algorithm is fucked up. Yeah, because that comes back to self-care, right? Like you want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself and hearing messages that are going to serve you and, and lead you to where you want to go. And if it's not serving you, just remove it. And it's your fault if, if, if you're experiencing that. Like, it goes back to ownership and Burning Man, right? Because right. my fiancé, yes, I, I, we're engaged. The baby daddy, yes, we're engaged. It's uh, fine, it's fine, it's fine. Everything's, you know, everything's fine. It's all good, right? Talk about it. Anyways, <laughs> what, what happened with him? I don't know. Maybe that was just some tea that you guys wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> I this is why volunteers are great. Well, uh, also, this is why the table is great. I, I, feel, I feel compelled to tell this story. Uh, so we had a bowl over there for volunteers, oh, yeah, and yeah, there yeah, was yeah, there yeah. weren't any cards in there. A bowl? Like, we you wanted people to put their keys in their bowl? We're trying something to do. And Nadia walks to the elevator. I thought her glasses were cool. Vic starts talking to her. She goes, do you want to come sit on stage? She goes, yep. Honestly, I feel safe up here. I don't know any of you guys. I'm a new member. I have I, I had a cataract. I was born with a cataract. I'm literally blind in my right eye. Like this so is not for show. This is prescription. I can see you. It's great. Everything's great. 
And we thank you for yeah. sitting we up do, here and do. having no problem thank with you. it. Snaps. Yeah, snaps to like that sort of vulnerability as well. Yeah. Are you interested in the rapid fire? Sure. We could do a little, a little <laughs> light rap. Yeah, well, let's a go. Light, little medium key. A little medium key. Medium. We'll see what happens. Right. I'm wondering, do I want to do this like to each of you? Probably not. Maybe more like whoever shouts it out. I'm like interested in that. I'm interested in that. We okay. can shout. Readjustment period is. Somebody else go. Nine months. I don't know. When you readjust, reacculturate, return back, returnee. Yeah, I feel like it takes six to Reintegration. Uh, for me. Too long? Is that too long? <laughs> I don't know. Ask no questions, just answer. All right. Th yeah, the reason, the reason I said pass is because I didn't have one. Because we're still I, in it. No, well, yeah, <laughs> still adjusting. There's a case for that, but it, I snap back very quickly. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I haven't thought about why, but I snap back very, very quickly, and it could be because this is the first time since I was 14 that I was living close to my family. Seven years. Today, I thought to myself on the walk here, I think I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm almost at a year, and we have a lot more time to go. Um, hardest part when living abroad and working? Dealing with everything that was going on in my head. <laughs> mental clutter. Yeah, mental clutter. I think looking at my friends on social media and wishing that I was back there at their weddings, you know, my, my, my niece's first steps, I had reverse FOMO or JOMO. Yeah, I guess, like, family probably is the major thing. And also life admin from where you actually live or file your taxes. That's the worst. That's the worst. Well, I think that might, yeah, I just I hate life. Wait, quick pause, general. quick pause. I just want to say this. Okay, gonna, I really want to spill this tea. Are you gonna go where I'm gonna go? Go. I don't know. Go, I'm gonna go. Go. Well, I had to freaking um, because I live in Jersey now, and I'm not annoyed, but like kind of annoyed. And you know, the federal mandate for health insurance was lifted, but not state mandate. So I had to find health insurance yesterday so that I can get in there. And I already had to pay for the four months I didn't have health insurance anyway for my taxes. Democracy means I can choose, and I did not choose to have health insurance here. I would fly my ass to Mexico City and get my health taken care of, but I gotta pay for it here. That's all I wanted to say. That's just all I wanted to say about that. I'm done, I'm sorry. That's not where we were gonna go. That yep, is not I've where I was gonna go. So back on track. That is, that I is am not where I was gonna go. That. Back yes. on track. I am so happy that you're empowered by that. <laughs> where I was gonna go is this is, a, this is actually a promoting digital nomading. If you're oh. out of the United States for more than 330 days, you don't pay taxes. Okay, okay. So, so back to the tax. Okay, let's just spill some tea on taxes because <laughs> real, real talk. Oh, right turn. Real talk. Okay. If you are, real I wish. introduced myself to these lovely folks oh, as a diplomat, so not a military brat, someone who is the child of a diplomat. And if your parents work for the United Nations or are in the military and, you know, they've been supporting your whole life and taxes is not an issue, as soon as you're in America and you're an American, you're paying taxes and you're like, wait, but like, so I don't get immunity? Okay, so that's LOL, the, nope. No, I don't, right? But I've never, I've never lived here. I'm not being taxed on all this grant money. And where's that's it going? True. To the mili I don't know. Tell me. I don't know. So that's for later. But back to your question <laughs> on the difficulties of, of, you know, the life, right? Planning a wedding. How many people can come? Where do you fly them from? I, my, my mother is Guyanese. My father is Tanzanian, East Africa. My grandmother's Punjabi Indian, you know, like, and then I, Switzerland fam, like New Yorker fam. This birthday was a lot of work. Visas. Trying to get people. I'm just glad that <laughs> I'm a member and there's like a hotel up here. I'm thinking of just like, you know, like community week style where we all went Toss surfing. All in that like, just like, yeah. just talk, like go let's just go back to camping in the Alps. They not and do that, we will do that in New York City. 
Uh, that's real. yeah, it's it's difficult. Like logistics and reunions, and it's been a seven year like seven year high school reunion. I'm like, let's just like book the assemblage and like do a wedding and a high school reunion and a college Fuck. reunion and like let's just get Dan's some money. Like let's that. fundraise. <laughs> <laughs> like hello. Yeah. Let's just keep bartering until we have income. Um, Nadia, this is Dan. He runs the assemblage. He's in the he's back. He's ready for yep, that ready. connect. <laughs> yeah, ready. Digital nomading is just a trendy phase. No. Like, this is also, like, people who think... I, I, I love the peanut gallery. Please pop in. No, so I... We, um, with Pep Talker, we have um, some interns working with us. We're paying them over the summer. And um, I reached out to a couple of universities back in Australia, where I'm originally from. And I was like, oh, hey, do you guys have remote intern and they're like we don't do remote and I was like you guys are like like Behind. forget about it like you just you like this is the way that like offices are dead like it's just not going to be the way that it, it happens in five to ten years and I think everyone's going to demand it not just digital nomads but what if you're a parent or if you've got a, you know an elderly um person that you have to care for like why would you spend two hours a day commuting when you could yeah I mean I'm it's crazy I just think it's I absolutely think it's the way that it's going to go I think it's for a period of time Ooh, controversial. <laughs> controversial. <Yeah. laughs> do, I I, do I think it's Correct. a fad? No, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it will stay around, but I don't think it's sustainable for your whole career. Why? I think it's. I think it's because... Okay, so on an individual basis or as an employment paradigm shift, I, will digital nomading continue? I think as an employment paradigm shift, digital nomading, digital nomading will stay. Right. However, right. for a finite period of time. Here's here's what I'm thinking. Mm. So I've done the digital nomading thing. I hit my 22 countries. I've taken digital meetings, whatever it may be. I would still, to this day, say that in-person meetings are more productive than digital meetings. Yeah, would you sure. agree or disagree? Oh, no, ab absolutely. Maybe the digital nomad term has the idea that you're traveling internationally and jumping every two weeks. Right. But I think the tr what will shift is the traditional office space, and that will shift. So you can be a digital nomad in New York. You can no. move offices okay. every week. Go ahead. I have been working remotely for six years. Okay. I am an investment manager for the Department of Veterans Affairs, and our entire organization, our entire division, we're all across the U.S., That's and awesome. we manage billions of dollars Tell for em. Let them know. The Department of Veterans yes. Affairs. Is that B with Handled a billion with a B? With a B. We had a $5 That's the government. Budget. It's so a B. And we're all spread out across the United States, and I've been there for six years, and we don't... But I, what's something I that you miss most from... This. Mm. Community. Right. Community. For sure. Do but you have any coworkers possible. in New York? No. But it is possible mm. to have meetings without being face-to-face. -face. That's totally possible. I mean, yeah. the technology today, you don't need yeah. to be in an office. It's just you will miss this community and the water cooler talk. That you can't have, obviously, home by yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Being alone. Coffee, probably and a, a lot of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think technology has definitely evolved to the point where it's definitely possible. Oh, I'm sorry. It's definitely possible. It definitely is. And Love I think you. we are all living proof to attest to that. However, I would say that for me, this is me personally, I would yes, say that in we've person gathered in that. Yeah, in person meetings, I'm more productive. And I think a lot of other people share that opinion. I would also say it depends on the platform because Zoom calls are great. And share <laughs> screen. And also, if you're a doula, you have learned how to professionally hold space. So how to pass the mic 
and how to say, I don't actually know, <laughs> and how to be like, you know what, let's all break for water and let's all eat. You know, so I was in a, a doula mentorship because they just keep educating me as if I haven't had it. enough education. That's fine. Um, and so I was in a mentorship for three months and we had a two hour Zoom call in addition to a whole teachable, pretty much university on how to be a good person. That's essentially what a doula is. Um, how to look someone in the eyes, how to hold their hand. You can do hip squeezes for days while someone's in labor, but the thing that they'll remember is that your breath smelled nice and you looked into my eyes and you told my husband to get me a glass of water, right? And I think that's the part, the emotional intelligence of meetings is what we are losing. And that's where like the feminine, you know, female femme aspect needs to come into the room or the digital space more. And I think that's how we can have more productive meetings because like I said, it's an energetic algorithm, it's a real algorithm, it's a real in-person conversation, it's a telepathic conversation. We're in the astral, we're in the 3D, I don't really care. Let's just I live be in 5D. good people. Correct, kudos. Comment from the back. There's gonna be less of the ball and chain fake work ethic of showing up eight fake hours a day yeah, yeah. where even though you're there Damn. eight hours a day, you're doing two hours of it's work, but you're around. spending all this time killing time to prove that yep, you're there. Yep, so yep. we don't need to prove that we're working anymore. We can actually just turn in work and you can pay me based on the work I turn in. And so I think places, yes, like the assemblage or WeWork or all these other office share spaces or other even communities, there's even, uh, I forget what it's called, it's, uh, there's another share space uh, uh, organization that they have partnerships with a bunch of different restaurants and spaces that are spacious. Spa yeah, uh, spacious. spacious, yeah. spacious. So spaces like th all these yeah. different options to where people have the opportunity to go and be in an environment where other people are working and also coordinate with each other and collaborate. But the in-person meetings will st still take place, but the ball and chain will will hopefully fade away. And, and if not, then don't take those fucking jobs. We have yeah. other options. Damn. Yeah. Also, we need to allow, um, you know, birthing people, bleeding people to work while they're bleeding and birthing or, you know, taking time off. So another thing that we did in the Zoom calls is, like, allow people to do laundry and nurse their babies and all of those good things. Just a thought. So I don't, I don't want to say it, it can't happen, oh. but I don't know if, I think there's probably a ceiling to digital nomadism and okay. that you don't see any of the top companies in the world allowing for remote work. So the, I think that's changing and there's it, always it a great changing, for but the, it's for a lot the less, transition to happen, eh? It's a lot less common in the top, top tier. The Googles and Facebooks of the world, they sure. are not remote friendly. Um, and I don't. I don't want to say it's not possible. I hope it becomes possible. Yeah. But it is definitely something that you see. I think we're migrating to Q and A. I mean, it just happened. It just happened. <laughs> you know. Oh, I like. I think as well. To your point, I I won I wonder as well though. Um, to the gentleman at the back's point, like, how much is that because people are trying to protect their jobs, right? right? And like those big companies, they they're worth billions of dollars or whatever. So we can't possibly kind of remember how Elon Musk like had that secretary who worked with him for so long, and then she took some time off. And he was like, I actually don't need her. I'm just going to sack her, which I'm not saying is a nice thing to do because apparently she was amazing. But like, it's almost like some, I, I sometimes wonder how much people perpetuate that we need to have a headquarters and we can't work remotely because that means the managers keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's companies like Basecamp, which I think does allow remote work, and there are other quite innovative companies that do allow that, Offer. then maybe they're going to set that. Because we're at the start of the wave, right? Like it hasn't right. crashed yeah. yet. Like we're new. We're new. We're, yeah. And so I'll, I'm interested like how much people think that that's people just like basically trying to protect their territory 
so that the people that are doing two hours of work and six hours of Facebook, like how much is that about protecting their jobs? Also, the competition is not only in the United States. Right. So what we're doing in Malawi and Bangladesh, that's not, you know, America in Bangladesh. That's also talk. Um, because the, the thing that I am concerned about are my friends who don't have visas to be here and who are deeply doing digital work because yeah. they don't have an option. Like yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Accra, Ghana, where my mother is the director for HIV and AIDS program, public health, nothing to do with the American government. She's Guyanese. You know, her, her, the, the privileges we get are just ease of transport because that's her whole entire work. Over there, everyone has two to three phones because one phone is Sprint, one phone is Verizon, one phone is T-Mobile, and it's actually better to um, you know get all three so you have servers so you can even access the internet. And they have no choice but to make headquarters you know amongst themselves in African countries on the internet because how can they even travel? And I, I think that's the whole point. Oh, sorry, just I roll. Is that oh, we? I'm just seeing. I'm seeing the questions. Let me just oh, ask yeah. one more. I question. I think we have choice, and then we're and gonna have a little Q and A, yeah. and then you know, okay. Let's do it. Do you think that digital nomading is basically global gentrification? I thought that you might like this and thereby, do you see, I was trying out here. I think in, in cities that have the infrastructure to facilitate internet, yes. Okay. And I think like we're so lucky like to have the choice to be able to be a digital nomad or to choose to leave a nine to five job because we have an entrepreneurial sp spirit. Like. What an amazing choice. And I think I don't want to get lost in the whole, like, oh, poor us. Like, it's so, we miss our families. Like, it's a choice, you know. And I, I think, I just want to, like, acknowledge that I feel very blessed that we have that opportunity and that it is a great choice and to focus on the positives. But not everyone wants that choice. And I, I wonder as well, to your point about how some companies retain that office structure. I've, I've read some research that says that some people actually prefer an office because not everyone is entrepreneurial. Right. Not everyone can be a self-starter. And so for some people, maybe it's not always a fit. I don't know. I, I don't have the research to hand, but I wonder. We're just chatting. Yeah. So two questions. I've been racking my brain about this. What is a gentrifier and who is a gentrifier and what is gentrification? Because for me, it's mm. like... Do I have a choice to be... Of, of being a gentrifier right. or not? Uh, or being a gentrifier or not, of being a digital nomad or not. That was my birth. I would say no to one. Birthright, birth. Where was the choice? Like, I am thinking so critically about, like, what is the internet and who owns the internet and, like, what is this house? If I, if I buy this house in Brooklyn, but I, you know, house my friends who are homeless because I have friends who are homeless, am I still a gentrifier? Probably, right, because I kick someone else out. But, like, for me, a lot of these labels can really, like, separate us. Like, I hate, right. I hate like, the concept of cultural appropriation because, again, we that's, like, yes. institutions doing things like kicking out homeless people, like, in, you know, large numbers, people like, you know, not people, companies like Louis Vuitton taking Maasai cloth from Tanzania, putting it on the runway, not giving anything back to the community. That for me is like gentrification and cultural appropriation are structural problems. And so for me, I, I don't know how to answer that question of whether like... Well, let me, let me paint a better tableau than an, of an example. So when I think about global gentrification, this is what I think about. We are all relatively young and we're in the Western world, not only New York, but the Western world. So no matter what, we probably have passports that allow us to go somewhere else where it may be a developing nation or a third world country, right? And to go there, now those places that are becoming hot on the map, oh, let's say Accra, for a perfect example. Um, now more locals are putting their homes up on Airbnb, which is a yeah. Western societal construct company that was created in order to allow these people to make money. Now, with us coming in for longer periods of time, a month, two months, three months, 
up to six months, let's say, in one place, we're forcing locals to move further inland outside of the city. They have to trek farther in order to come to the city where there are jobs. So now we're not only taking over their space, we're taking over their homes as well. They probably have to bunk up with other people and they may or may not be family members, right? And we're also not paying taxes there. So we're not even really giving back to their community in that way. And once shit starts to hit the fan, like a tsunami, for example, we're like, oh, I gotta go. So let me get on my flight out because I can afford to do that. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay, okay. So again, yeah. that's that's Obviously, a, that's you know a beautiful. Thank <laughs> you for illustrating that. But for yeah. me, it's like when I go to when I travel ever. It's like I was used to studying Spanish in Spain in homestay programs where you stay at a Spanish person's house and they cook you Spanish food and you you know go to a tapas bar, watch flamenco, and you're learning Spanish because you have no choice because you don't speak the language. If if that's what you're doing go gentrify like that's like if that's gentrification because that's a thing like social media will put like gentrification as a hashtag on something that someone's doing that nobody knows anything about which is what i have issues with mm. being the like the you know daughter of a diplomat the you know global nomad that i am so visibly i don't like that but again going back to the personal going back to the individual day-to-day -day, are you talking to your friends about what airbnb is doing are you looking for another place to stay other than where an American has a business? Or are we letting the locals use Airbnb? Like how many how much black and brown representation do we have in, in these in these structures? Probably little. That was fabulous. I think we'll wrap there. I just want to say a quick shout out. Thanks to my friend Nicole for making me not use Amazon anymore. I am using Etsy. So you know what? It starts small and you just spread out. Are we interested in QA? Does anyone have anything to say? Okay. Going back to the discussion about digital nomad and how I just don't feel like it will ever leave my industry. I work in a creative environment. I work for a creative agency. And yeah, you can make comments on Webster when you're editing a video, but there's nothing like getting into a room and just creating together. And yes, I do, I do love digital. I love working from home. Who doesn't? But you, you're never going to get enough work done unless you're in front of those people talking to them in having those conversations. Mm. So yes, I do want it to continue and I love it, but having no office for me would be like not working enough. You know what I mean? It, it keeps me grounded. Yes, I have to go to the office. Yes, I have to talk to those. Yeah, I see them at the water cooler and they're like, hey, is my deck done? Ooh, no, and it's giving, instead, <laughs> I w they would never Real. say that though. And then if they, they wrote me an email, it would be you know professional and it's like, oh, adding that pressure on. And those small conversations, you know, it just changed the structure of your workflow, yeah. so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the, this digital nomad or not digital nomad lifestyle, is it, it seems finite, like there's two spectrums, but there could be kind of a fluidity there where you are a digital nomad in New York, and so you have an office, but you're not required to be there. And so the office can be space for productivity time where you get in a room and you whiteboard, go for you, My thing. And, and that's productive. But maybe you're re-energized by being in a community like this where you're meeting other people who are doing cool shit. And so you have that flexibility, but you also have that office space when you need it. And so that is, it's ideal to me, to me, right? And so my thoughts on your comment. Uno mas pregunta. There it is. What? Not really a question, oh. but myself and our friend Ethan over there. E we work for a company called Skillshare, and it's, so big plug there. I know what it is. Anybody is looking for jobs, we're hiring. Oh. But it's actually what I found. I was doing remote year, working full time as a digital nomad. But we have an office in New York, and we have remote employees, and we can go into the office, or we do go into the office a couple times a week. We work remotely once a week, and then they're really integrating remote work and really just 
super flexible. So however anybody wants to live, some people work rem remotely because they have kids or families. Some people work remotely because they want to travel. Some guy lives in Costa Rica. So I think it's just really thinking about our world differently. Like however anybody wants to work and how they work best, like letting them do that, I think is great. And we see it all from you four up there. Like everybody's living their own life and doing what works for them. And I think that's like the best part of digital nomading or nomading in general. And I think that's like what we need to continue pushing and you know, not just making it one way or the other, but. Beautiful. So Thank you, my friend. I, I just wanted to say as well, um, this is great by the way. Um, I just joined the assemblage not long ago. My name's Will. Um, I just finished a 23, 23 year career being a nomad. I worked, just finished six years in Accra, so I, I want to talk to you, young lady, later. Um, and I'm just starting my digital nomading career and transition and reframing um, outside of engineering projects, but now helping businesses make that shift and reframe mm -hmm. and help individuals inside and managers and executives create a culture and an environment that will let us take care of self-care. That's what we want, right? Yeah, that's what we want. We only have one life. It's not work and personal, it's one life. Anyway, just wanted to share a few things. Thanks Absolutely so great. Um, I'm just gonna wrap this boy up. So thank you guys for coming, watching, listening, reading at Al. Um, you guys are the best. And uh, I also just wanna make sure that I have a particular thanks to the people that have worked um, very closely on this project with us. When I had the idea, the first person that I pitched to was Colton and in a harrowing 24 hours, I was wondering if like, oh, he didn't really say yes and I don't really know. And uh, the next day he called me and said, yeah, I'm in, this is it. And I was like, oh my God, proof of concept, how real? And then pretty much we have attracted some of the best people since that moment. Um, Rachel, who is here, our editor, works remotely, <laughs> hasn't sat in on an episode and still got the vibe. So, <laughs> testament. Erin um, providing all the locales and the excellent food. Also, Colt, obviously. Um, Kristen here, our two fabulous interns, wherever you may be. Jess, who also provides us with location. She is not here right now. Also, Mary Pat, blessings, my mom. She is um, guest relations, director, chef, all hands on, decky woman. Um, and of course, the panelists, Maggie, Nadia, thank you for sitting here with us. <laughs> that was random, but I thank you for doing it. Um, and stay tuned for May 27th, because you know what's coming. So thank you, Dan and guys back there, Baroth, for taking the photos. And that's, I'm done. Thank you all for listening to this episode. And as usual, we would love to hear your feedback and thoughts. So definitely riddle us in the comments. Do not forget to listen to us on all of your podcast streams, as well as liking and or subscribing on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Anderson Street TV on all platforms. Want to send a special note of gratitude to the Assemblage team, Kristen Copeland, and our two fantastico interns, Marva and Christiana. See you guys next time at the table.